You want to know one of the trickiest parts of working experientially with a distressed relationship, like from an EFT frame, it's what do you do with your client's story? It really, really is this intricate, tricky balancing act. And if you just miss a little, boy, you make your work a lot harder. So um, when it comes to your client's story, I got the problem. James is going to bring the solution. Welcome to the Leading Edge in Emotionally Focused Therapy with your hosts, Dr. James Hawkins and Dr. Ryan Reyna. EFT is a dynamic model that humbles even the most seasoned therapists. Together, we want to come alongside you as you continually push the leading edge of your understanding and application of this wonderful model developed by Dr. Sue Johnson. All right, so... Let's define this. What do we mean when we're talking about story? It's kind of like the M in the temp, the meaning, the message, right? That they've learned to tell about their relationship to try in their best way to give a cognitive frame to the experience they have in the relationship. That's the very generic way of talking about when we're saying story. Yeah. You want me to go ahead and give what I'm talking about with story? Or you want to go ahead and tell about when you give story, when you're thinking about story, how All we're right. going to talk about it today? Whichever you want. Okay. <clears throat> want me to jump in? Or you yeah, you go ahead and jump in. All right. You know, they say uh, there's 40 – I heard somewhere, I don't know if this is true. I think John Gottman said it, though, so it's probably right. <laughs> I think there's like 47,000 books written, books and articles on marriage. And, uh, and and I know we're talking about a much broader thing than marriage, but uh, yeah, a lot of our clients, uh, that's what's going on. And that's a problem because, you know, if you, if you had your advanced training in chemical engineering – and you came into a room and said, here's what goes on in, in chemical engineering. Everybody would look at you and nod their head. But when it comes to things like intimate relationships, there's a lot of experts out there. Mm. And you can't see me in the studio, but I got my fingers in the air when I say experts. So what I mean by story and, and what I mean by the problem, and I really think it's a significant problem. I'm going to start, I'm personally, as a, as a trainer, I'm going to start working hard on this to help people because it's one of... You know, five or six things that helps really or that keeps really, really talented therapists from achieving what, what they could. End of the day, that the people that need help don't get the help. So here's what I mean. I come to you in a distressed relationship and at the line, so to speak, of awareness and below the line, we have an intricate, sensitive attachment dance that instead of creating closeness is actually keeping us separate. So what percentage of clients come in and say that? <laughs> Zero. I mean, many times as therapists, we have a hard time. We have to come up with tools like assembly and temp just to even try to get there. So, and that's, that's with a lot of training. So your clients come in and what they have is the pain of an attachment negative cycle, but they don't know how to tell you that. So what they do is they, they, they're informed, they, they create stories. They construct stories that are informed by, here's your lovely list, you ready? The story that I've constructed is, is, into my is from my, let me say that again, the story that I'm gonna tell you as my therapist of what's wrong in my relationship is informed by my personal pain, my personal trauma, um, the, the latest pop culture book that's out on the market or Oprah or Dr. Phil or somebody else, no offense to those people are saying, or some movie or my best buddy over coffee or my aunt who has a theory about how men are, you know, and, and 
or from diagnostics and labels. And that's just my way of saying this hurts. We're stuck. And I don't know what's wrong, which would be much more helpful if clients would just say that. But that almost never happens. Clients come in with these constructed stories. And now we're faced with a tricky balance, right? Like we've talked about before with content. You can't just ignore it. And, but you also, and this is what I see most often, is, a, is a, so if you think about our acronym of TEMP, which is a little oversimplified, but just a way to help you remember, of assembly, it's trigger, emotions in the body, uh, meaning, and protective action. Most clients come in preoccupied and fixated in M. They just M, M, M. That's the meaning, the meaning, the meaning, the meaning that we have. And so that's part of why we want to assemble it to the rest of this. But uh, what I see a lot of times is clients come in and what they have is a constructed story, which is just sort of a made-up description of what someone is saying is wrong. Then the therapist, in their very best effort to help them, starts chasing that story, starts trying to solve the story with some solution process or some mediation which number one is the wrong level for lasting change. But number two, not only is it the wrong level for lasting change, not only will your clients not be able to install good solutions because they don't have any security in the relationship, but it's not even what's actually happening. <laughs> it's just a story. And so we've got to figure out, and James is going to come in with the good side, we've got to figure out how to work with the story to pull the power to honor to take care of our alliance, to pull the emotion out without gets, getting stuck trying to solve it. I do want to do one qualifier before I kick it to James. If it's not already hard enough, mm -hmm. there are some aspects of the story that need to make, we make sure we honor. Yep. So if you're talking about experiences with marginalization, if we're talking about abuse, if we're talking about safety matters of any kind, someone's story growing up in a place where they were treated disrespectfully, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That, that, that's a part of the story we have to not only not ignore, we have to really, really, like we said in the previous episode, finish those catches and really unpack their impact on, a, on people's attachment strategies. Mm -hmm. So with that, I'll kick it over to you. Yeah. And I think part of me even wants to just jump in and just – I don't know if this is the right move, but it's a sincere part, so I want to go ahead and go with it then. And in a way, offer an apology where maybe at times within EFT training, we, in a, in a, in a good faith effort to get us focused and go to where we want to help our clients, we made a mistake and threw out essential parts here. And one of the mistakes of kind of like, well, that's just content in a very reductionistic way. That's just content. And what we do is when we throw out, like what Ryan was saying, so we want to find the parts of the story we want to hold on to and grab to as an informed listener. You all as trained attachment you know, therapists know how to listen for the key ingredients in someone's story here. So let me get that a little bit more clear about the good parts, because this comes from, you know, we've said this on the podcast before Ryan told the story about Allison Lee where she's you know, in the midst of all the trainers, and she really warned the trainers, like, hey, let's be a little bit careful here about throwing out content. Because sometimes there is emotion within 
the content. And that takes a very um, a skilled, and we are, you know, we are mental health professionals, so we are supposed to be professionals to be able to see and hear our clients' pain, attachment, longings um, within their story and guide them in helping give us that, that story. So that's where we do attachment histories. What did you learn from your family about emotions? What did you do in times maybe you were hurting and you were needing someone? Who could you go to? What made them safe? What made them unsafe? What, what, what if you couldn't reach someone? That story. You know, so that's one way. You know, we do it through relationship history. We do it through, you know, some people will ask, tell me how you two met. What was it that drew you two to each other? What happened at painful places in your story and what did you do in that place? I'm still get, allowing you space. Help me, it, help me before I start trying to work on something. I really want to know you and your story. I don't fully know this and understand this, uh, this, but I want to teach because I just got a chance to um, hear Dr. Fionn Viotis uh, talk about this in Arizona. And she's worked on this with um, Dr. Samit Berhe, Dr. Jim Furrow, Dr. Catherine McKay, Dr. Leanne Campbell. They've worked together on what they call the care model. And when I heard the care model, I was like, oh. That's a good frame about thinking about certain elements to get someone's story. So I'm going to share you with this. I'm not teaching you the care model. They are going to be doing a training on that. If you can look them up, uh, Dr. Fionn Viotis, Dr. Leanne Campbell, to learn more about the care model. I think Leanne's about to write an article on it right now. But I'm just going to give you the bare bones because I think it is the good part of the story we want to get. And part of the, the C, because it's another acronym, right? We love acronyms. So it's care. C is for context. Do you know your client's context? Do know a little bit. Like, where did they grow up in the world? What did they experience, right? You know, if you, me and Ryan are a part of uh, success and vulnerability, and Ryan kind of does a talk on the, you know, a story. He tells a story about how a, a, how someone could become a pursuer with JAR. He talks about being the little boy growing up playing Little League. That's a good context to learn about somebody. What are some of those contextual variables? Things around ethnicity, region, socioeconomic status, family, faith community. Those things are important. Context for our client. The A is attachment. We want to be listening for attachment in our client's stories. You know, how have they experienced um, safe, trusted others? How have they been betrayed about by people who are supposed to be safe, trusted others? What about times of betrayal or abandonment or trauma? That's the A attachment then the r is relationship and then they kind of cheat and put an alliance we want to know once again just some, some more a little bit about relational history but also we want to be able to assess for what about the relationship between therapist and client you know i think me and ryan might have said this in one of our episodes on culture we do want to just even at a, at a bare minimum we do need to ask are there any important variables about our therapeutic relationship that you would feel are essential for me to make sure that we address for this to be able to work and you leave it up to like what are, and then we want to be and stay in constant tunement with that alliance right uh, and then e is emotion we want to hear the emotion even if they don't talk about it ryan said they're probably not going to talk about that part but can you hear the pain can you hear the frustration the disappointment the hurt marginalization and oppression, can you hear it? So those are the things we want to be able to do with client stories. So don't throw it out too quickly. Listen for care in a person's story. I like it. And and hopefully that's unpacking this tricky balance we're talking about. If you've ever been in one of those mazes before where it starts off with plenty of room and then like, you know, the third room is like a narrow little tightrope you're walking and if you, you know, if you don't fall off into the water or something, then it, it opens back up again. 
And I think that's like uh, most of our cases. This is usually an early problem, yeah. finding this tricky balance. Once you get some de-escalation going, for sure, if you can get to stage two, it, it really is amazing. I should say that differently and better. When you get safety in the relationship, these constructed pathological stories tend to evaporate. It's kind of a crazy thing to watch. Um, these folks who had such rigid descriptions of their partners, sometimes even themselves. Once you can get, you know, eight or nine good enactments in and, and they start to feel a little closer, all of a sudden these labels and this stuff just kind of flies away. But James is a, gives us a good reminder here that you can overblock the story. As Allison Lee said, uh, that, was, that was pivotal for me. She gave us feedback to say, you can't get rid of the story. You can't get rid of the content because if you do, you'll lose the really, really valuable emotion. And we'll talk more about this after the break. Do you want more help getting focused in your work with relationships in distress, but you need it to fit into your already busy schedule and you want it to be affordable? Check out successandvulnerability.com. Success and Vulnerability is an excellent online video-based curriculum developed by a team of EFT trainers, supervisors, and therapists who share their unique insights and therapeutic styles to help you succeed at working with relational distress. The SV program is for therapists at all stages of development who want to grow in their ability to work with emotional and relational distress. Success and Vulnerability is also a great tool to help supervisors increase their effectiveness and supervision to help give focus expert feedback for to help people get better in their work with couples and families and even individuals success and vulnerability uses multiple forms of learning from didactic to experiential exercises and actual clinical cases with commentary to help you learn the micro moves of emotionally focused therapy we look forward to be a part of helping you and your clients have success where it matters most in vulnerability. So let me make sure we do a good job of striking the balance here once again. Obviously, like we just said, we don't want you to be dismissive, right? I know I heard this from Ryan one time in the training. There is, we want to be intentional in giving space for clients to use some of that story. They've been pent up where it's not been, they probably haven't felt it's been heard or a story's been told about them that they feel is not true and not fair. So we need to give them some space to burn some of that energy in a way. What we're trying to help you with here in this podcast is to not get caught into trying to fix like this global societal type story in some ways. What we want you to do is do the work with them in the ex their experience of their story and how it's shaped in a way there maybe a negative model of self about them, a negative model of self about really about others that could possibly be people of care for them. And it's where it's, it's thrown off and impacted their own emotional regulation capacity to where maybe now because they're caught in this story, really, me and Ryan were talking about this in another thing with our SV team, they've become so preoccupied with the other people in the story that they've lost parts of themselves. It's what they did with this, this, and we need to pay attention to because that matters, right? But when it's preoccupied and then they lose the aspect of themselves in the story. So we want you to be skilled 
to, with even like this care model to come in and join them and then bring them and their experience back very fully alive. This reminds me of the Sue quote where um, she was talking at a place about EFIT. And, she's, and she said, we are always interacting with the cast of characters that our clients carry around in our heads. And so you as a therapist have to find out who are those characters in the head, right? Enter into the story. Who are the significant figures in, in your story? And what have you learned from them? And what you, based on your experiences with them, how are they even impacting some of this distress you're feeling now that brought you into my office? How are they, how are they impacting these protective moves you're making? How are they impacting that in your moments of need and vulnerability, a part of you just kind of hides or doesn't let it be seen and to come out? We want you to be skilled in joining people in their stories to create corrective emotional experiences because you cannot solve the content once again. We want you to be skilled uh, in all those great things that you just said. And and, and we also want you to be skilled in, in discerning through yep. what is in a, their attachment moves and what is this the story they've constructed about it. So trying to be responsive to listeners and feedback we've gotten. I'm going to try to get some specifics here. All right. Two, two things not to do and, and, and six things really quick to remember. I hope as I run through these, these sound redundant um, because good therapy is, is not some fancy, shiny intervention as much as it is attuned, clear, patterned, safe, focused work because your clients already have the answer. Mm. If they're... 99% of the time, let's say 95, 95% of the time, you know, it's not easy to get into your office. It's a lot of trouble. And so most people who are there, they have what it takes. Secure bonds are not rocket science. It doesn't take very much skill. What it takes is, is the heart back in the game, mm. right? So anyway, all that to say, what we don't want to do um, and, and what I'm reminded of recently with working with some people who are, you know, in a stuck case or maybe new to this work is they would say something like, man, my interventions, it seems like I'm doing it right, but it's not working at all. And we turn on the video and we look through the case and, and their interventions are really good, but they're, they're really intervening in the story the client has about their relationship as opposed to what is actually happening. So remember, our interventions in EFT are only geared for attachment variables. So you can't intervene on someone's constructed story and see, and see drawn emotion and see corrective experiences because it's, it, it's, it's 10 miles away, right? You got the story up there that's too far removed from their, their actual moves and what's happening in their body. So that's number one is don't try to solve the story. Number two, a little bit of a um, reminder of a basic thing. When you listen to enough stories and you hear people come in and they're like, okay, what's really going on is this, 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 or this. No, but it's this, 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 and this. And before long, you, I don't mean to say we're rolling your eyes, but maybe a little bit. <laughs> what they're really saying over and over is what? It's negative view of self, negative view of other. That's what they're saying. It's just what blame is. Mm -hmm. Like they're just saying, who gets to have the blame? And they're not meaning to say that. What they're really saying is, I don't know how to describe what's wrong. But all it is is negative view of self and negative view of other. And you can't just solve that. Mm -mm. You can't just like, oh, 
feel good about you. That's right. Oh, feel good about your partner. It's like, no, it doesn't work like that. Um, the way that you develop confidence, the way that you change view of self and view of other is corrective experience. It's true everywhere. As an old coach and an athlete, you can't talk a player into being confident. Mm -hmm. That player will be confident about 30 minutes after they win. <laughs> this is how it goes. Mm -hmm. You continue to fail. You can have the most supportive person ever around you, and you're not going to be confident. Yeah. You want to add to that? Yeah, it makes me just think about, um, and I, this is not the only way it applies, but I think it's important to me and my heart. But it's um, even working with some of my clients from like ethnic minority groups or, or any group that's really gone through. It's like, so they'll keep telling me the story about it, it, um, systems or with people where they've experienced what, what feels like one, definitely like uh, uh, prejudice, racism, those kinds of things. And I could easily join them in the story. And we, I do join them, but it, the story, if all I do is keep joining, like, yes, those people were wrong. Yes, that system was wrong. We need to do, you know, we need to validate that. But if that's all I do with them, guess what? I still left them stuck with the pain. And so what I mean by that is it looks something like this. You're right. That has to really suck when here you are at your job and your company giving your very best, and it just feels like you keep getting overlooked. And the only thing your mind can come up with is, why is it like I'm I'm the only black person in this room? But then I want to kind of catch and just stay there with you, though. What happens to your own heart as that happens repeatedly and repeatedly for you? And then when that comes up in your heart, when you make sense, what do you do with that? And then no one sees you. You don't talk about it. You don't even have a safe place. I get you can't maybe go to the company. But then even when you come home with your partner, you've had all this place where you felt missed. And then you ask them how their day was, and they don't even turn to look at you. They just pick up the remote and change the channel, and then boom, it hits you. And now you're at them, and now here it is, even here. So I don't know. For me, it's like I want to. I say to it is, is I want to honor your humanity. I wish that all those people aren't sitting in here in the room, but their imprint and their uh, impact on you is sitting here. But they're not here to help you heal. They're not here to help you grow. But I'm here to help you. And find that healing and that growing. I don't know how that might land for some people, but I don't want them to miss themselves in the story about others. But I do need to acknowledge the others and the impact it's had on the person sitting in the room. That's just what comes up for me there. Hmm. Man, that's good. I'm sitting there wanting to process that for a while. Then I remember I'm on a podcast. <laughs> um, hmm. It's good. It's, it's you know... You can fully catch that, right? <laughs> well, it's at multiple levels, right? I mean, that's heartbreaking that that continues in our society. And as you and I have talked before, um, um, a variable like racism has so many levels to it. You know, there's the ones we're aware of. There's the historical. There's the ones we're not aware of that's built in the system. Mm -hmm. And and that's not a story. That's Ooh. real. That's real. That's good, right? Yeah, yeah. And so, but sometimes... That's going on behind the scenes, but they come in your office talking about budget sheets. Yeah. You know, and it's like, it's important that I think we recognize that when that is in play, that is a very attachment relevant sort of thing and we exactly. want to catch it. And what the mistake we don't want to do is, well, that's just content right. right there. See how you catch, that's the part where we're blending it together, right? That's just content. Like, just tell me, so how did you feel? And then, you know, nope, slow down. There's something in this, and we, we say story, but what it means, that's like, or a running, but it, like the Ryan said, well, well, hold on, hold on. And it's not even just what's real, not real, but it's like, you know, there's like, this is significant. 
this is really hitting you. These things are going on. And if they could talk about it, that's great. But like you said, it's different when it gets to, because I, I jumped into that part of the story, but it starts off at the beginning where they are talking about almost in a sense budget sheets in a way, right? Because mm-hmm. even talk about racism or something like that, that's a very vulnerable move that sometimes even, and that what people think like it's, even with a, per, a therapist of color, it's still hard to say. Mm-hmm. Because it's still, once again, it's no one else has believed me. Would you possibly? You might. There's mm-hmm. a risk that you might not believe me. Yeah, so it's loaded. Yes, it's still loaded. With, with risk, but also opportunity. Yeah. You know, so to when someone when someone's humanity is minimized, treated unfairly, marginalized, that cannot not impact how one operates in a relationship. So... If we're not leaning into that, if we're not taking the time to unpack that, to assemble even that, then we're missing a significant part of a person and, and perhaps inadvertently further contributing to, to racial trauma and marginalization. And I liked when you, I thought where you were going to go, but I liked what you just did, by the way. I liked, I even see <laughs> fully catching, like I can see Ryan's demeanor, like really slowing down here. Like, well, we talking about like, you no, know, that's all been serious, but I can see him. So, and I really appreciate that. But when you said that, I think that's the part with story there. It's when I want to help my client, even if they tell me something, is their humanity involved in it? And if their humanity's there, that's gold for us, you all. Lean in. You just said that. Lean into their humanity. But if they're telling you kind of like this running narrative that's devoid of their humanity, then that's not the, we can't really, that's not the, that's not going to be the place that really honors them, I say fully, and helps them in, the, in what they came into us for. Because just like you said, Coming into our office is not easy, by the way. So, yeah, and uh, I had an old supervisor who who would say there are very few things in life more important than than relationship, like your primary bonds in your life. But some things are, and and someone's humanity is one of those. So, given difficult scenarios between you know a cycle. And capturing someone's experience with marginalization, I mean, obviously you have to make a clinical decision because both those are things are important. But I tend to think you go to humanity first and trust that having a hopefully redemptive, clarifying experience with that person's humanity can create more safety, take some pressure out of a negative cycle, and then help our negative cycle. And we're on a podcast, so forgive that if that's overly summarized or, or simplified um, it is tricky. So I want to transition just a little bit if we can, just yeah. so we can stay on time. Is that all right? Yeah. So just thinking about story and what are we going to do with your client's story? I really think it's one of the trickiest part of doing this. So let's talk four or five ideas here on on maybe some things that might be helpful. So on previous episodes, we've talked about the million-dollar question. Mm-hmm. And from from our understanding, that would be a good utilization of story. So if so, and I can also think through being in a session, and 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 the the story starts to slow, and starts to be more um, people start to be more present with the story, so it's almost like it's gray now. Is this still just a constructed, reactive, blaming story? Or are we getting into what's actually going on? What are their moves around distress? And one of way, one of the ways to do that kind of like the million dollar story is to say, can you hang on just a minute? Can you walk me through the most recent time this happened? And they start telling a story about last Thursday night. That's helpful. So I want to try to make that clear. That is helpful. Okay. Now we don't want to lose it, 
necessarily and try to solve everything from last Thursday night and, and, and go into something that's not in the room. But sometimes a client describing an actual recent event is a great way to evoke Mm-hmm. And, and bring the actual attachment moves out of that story, including emotion, including attachment meanings, action tendencies, all the things that we assemble. So a recent story is, is sometimes really, really helpful, particularly if you can get into when this you know, content issue X happens, what happens to your relationship when you try to talk about it, and, and how'd that go Saturday? Mm-hmm. That can be really, that's a good use of a story. Basics, when you, when you hit a story, and, and maybe you can tell this one is not really attachment moves. This is just sort of blame going on. Even then, it's helpful to make sure you reflect, mm-hmm. to make sure you match, <coughs> Excuse me. to make sure you validate the frustration of it, to, to, to take care of your alliance. Otherwise, you're going to leave your client out in the cold, right? Just because their description is not attachment oriented enough, we definitely don't want to ignore that. That's good. Because that's also missing their humanity. And they don't know what to say. So I can still reflect, I can still match, I can still validate. And hopefully, by that responsiveness, completing the completing the catch, it invites them to come closer, to go a little slower, and to be a little curious with me. Mm-hmm. So the next one is... Um, as people tell a story which may not be so dialed in, don't don't forget to feel it, mm. right? So when they're telling their story that might be really blame-oriented, if you could just like mute out the words but catch the sentiment, that's really, really helpful because you can pull out their experience and their emotion from the story, which is helpful. And don't forget to get vivid triggers. <laughs> it's amazing what that move is, thanks to George Fowler right there, who taught this for years, and I, I'd nod my head, and then only like on the time 57, I heard it, I'm like, oh, so wait, you really want me to get, oh, oh. And you try it a few times, and you're like, wow. You talk about something that will pull someone out of a blame story into getting real, and what is happening right there in your session a really, really vivid somatic danger cue that they catch from something else. A partner, a memory is really, really helpful. Obviously, we want, we want a symbol. At that point, now we're making the path decision. Does this person, this person or this um, relationship need more help organizing their experience? Or is there safety and emotional access enough where we can go to deeper places and try to go for a corrective experience? And I really appreciate, you know, just that practical ending there. So I hope what you got to have today is, man, I can have a, you can have a, you can have a different orientation to story here in a way, right? Where it's not just so quickly to throw it out. And even if the story is not letting their full humanity come into the room and it's kind of whether blamey or critical, like right there what Ryan gave is, so what, how can I join in as a skilled listener and professional to even still connect with their humanity there and see if we can convert that story into something that brings their humanity into the room. And then once their humanity is like brought into the, the story, 
then it's like, then even what do I do with it then? So we just hope this was helpful for you to not get where it's like, I got to throw all story or what looks like content out. And then how do I make that decision on which one to like to hold on to, which one to, and then even if the story's a little bit off, now you've gotten a way to like, how do I help still guide that by reflecting and honoring, looking for these vivid triggers? We hope this has been helpful for you and it'll be helpful for you and your clients as well. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening. We hope this experience helps you push the leading edge in your work to help people connect with themselves and with each other. Please subscribe to our podcast and leave us a five-star review. You can contact us at pushtheleadingedge at gmail.com and you can follow us on our Facebook page at Push the Leading Edge. You can follow Ryan on Facebook at Ryan Rayner Professional Training and on his website, RyanRaynerTraining.com. You can follow James on Facebook and Instagram at DocHawkLPC. You can also check out his website, DocHawkLPC.com. Thank you.